You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 419 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live on this fine Wednesday evening. Plenty to get to on the podcast. I actually saved the pod another day um, just to uh, sort of let the let the news build a little bit. And uh, the news did end up building, at least uh, when it comes to buzz. Not, not, not necessarily news, I should say, but a rumor popped up on Wednesday that's definitely worth uh, discussing on the podcast and to a couple of other things. So a chock-full slate here, even if it's just a solo podcast, but plenty to get to. And we'll start with that uh, rumor that popped up. On Wednesday afternoon, Mitch Lawrence of Sirius XM Radio and uh, the Sporting News reported on Twitter that a, the Hawks are in discussions, and I should say that again, discussions, this is not a done deal by any means at this point in time, uh, discussions to send Dennis Schroeder and Mike Muscala to Oklahoma City in exchange for Carmelo Anthony. At this point in time, Lawrence also references the potential that the Hawks could extract another asset from Oklahoma City in order to make the uh, buyout of Carmelo Anthony, which was almost certainly happen more palatable. But for me, for for I guess the all, all, all intents and purposes, uh, this is a deal that's very interesting on, on a number of levels. Obviously, for the Hawks. The impetus there would be to get off of Dennis Schroeder's contract. He is owed $46.5 million over the next three seasons, $15.5 million annually for three more years. Carmelo Anthony's deal is bigger than that. It's $27.9 million for the upcoming season, then it, then it would expire, and obviously the impetus would be to buy him out. Um, Mike Muscala would be included to make the, to make the money work, essentially. Um, you know, Mello for Dennis Schroeder does not work under the cap, but Mello for Dennis Schroeder and Mike Muscala does work under the cap, so that's a deal that uh, w- would certainly be legal under the salary cap rules. And, uh, you know, again, the reason would, uh, the Hawks would look to uh, do this trade, it's as simple as getting off Dennis Schroeder's contract without having to take back any long-term bad salary because, obviously, the Hawks are in this uh, desperate spot right now to trade Dennis Schroeder because of the fact that they invested in Troy Young highly in the draft and then they went out and signed, I guess, not not, not, not signed, but trade for Jeremy Lin, uh, trade for Jeremy Lin without uh, sending, sending anything back, so basically just acquiring him to be the backup point guard or at least a maybe a, a placeholder starter at some point in time this season. But uh, those two guys are going to be the point guards looks like Trey Young and Jeremy Lin. So with that said, three years of Dennis, of Dennis Schroeder money is not, not the greatest look in the world for the Hawks. We talked about that a lot on the podcast in the last couple of weeks, especially since the Lin contract, since the Lin trade actually ended up being finalized. So that would be the, uh, the the pure and simple reason to do, to do this trade would be to trade Dennis Schroeder without taking back bad salary. As for Carmelo Anthony, he's a big name, obviously, but for this for this exercise from the Hawks standpoint, he's basically just a salary, uh, twenty seven point nine million dollars. Uh, I would be stunned and floored if the Hawks acquired Anthony and did not buy him out. Um, you know, the actual number of that would be a sort of TBD if the deal actually came together. But for all intents and purposes, this, this would be the Hawks trading Schroeder um, and using Mike Muscala to get off of that salary uh, and, and you know taking. Back, taking back Melo is one thing. So, you know, basketball-wise, the Hawks would be worse by making this trade. You know, they're trading their third-best big man, Mike Muscala, and Dennis Schroeder, who, you know, for all the stuff that I've said about him, he's not the greatest starting point guard to have in the world, but obviously he's a better basketball player than uh, whoever the Hawks would, would, would replace him with on their roster, essentially, because, you know, if you, if you look at the roster, they wouldn't have a whole lot of money or flexibility to go out and sign anybody, so you're looking at a team where, you know, you train Dennis Schroeder, and, that's, and you're getting really, really nothing back basketball-wise, but for the future, you're turning a three-year commitment into a guy who they clearly do not want around long-term into uh, clear books after the season. And that would be the whole reason to do that. So, you know, long story short here, we could, we could certainly attack this from uh, different angles. We probably will do that 
if the deal actually comes together. But long story short, this is a deal that I would certainly endorse the Hawks doing, even without another asset. I would certainly just trade Schroeder and Muscala for Carmelo Anthony right now. Uh, and that's not a that's not, not not a shot at Muscala. Obviously, Muscala is a guy I, that I've always liked and always defended. I think he's is, is the third best big on the team right now. He'd, he'd be better in a game right now than Amari Spellman would be at the same time. He's only under contract for one more season, and uh, given the uh, investment in the front court, I don't think Muscala is going to be like a centerpiece moving forward. So, you know, it would not be great to trade a guy that uh, has been a lifer of the Hawks so far. But at, at the same time, uh, getting off of Dennis's salary without taking bad money back would be a huge, huge win for the Hawks. Um, I will say. It's one of those things where uh, it's all about clearing the decks and flexibility, and Schleck's mentioned that, and the, the, even there were even some buzz about trading Kent Bazemore in the future, all that, all that fun stuff. It's all to create, create flexibility for the future. If the Hawks were to pull off this trade, they'd only have about $51 million in committed salary beyond next season, and that actually includes Kent Bazemore and Miles Plumley. so they'd be in a great spot, have a ton of cap space for next summer and a lot of flexibility if they chose to do this trade. I'm not sure it's been offered. I'm not sure the Hawks are actually doing that. Uh, there was a report from Chris Moore of the AJC that the Hawks were uh, talking to the Thunder during Summer League, uh, perhaps about a deal that would take on Carmelo Anthony. Uh, but this is pretty much the only way that, that can happen at this point is if the Hawks were to send back Kent Bazemore or Dennis Schroeder. No, no other salary that is big enough to make this deal work. So it pretty much has to be uh, some sort of this if, they were, if the Hawks were looking to take on Melo's salary to uh, go ahead and buy him out. So... This makes a lot of sense for both teams, I will say. You know, for Oklahoma City, it's a, a bit of a weird trade. It'd be a financially motivated one to trade Carmelo Anthony and taking back three years of Dennis Schroeder's contract with Russell Westbrook already on the team doesn't make a ton of sense. But if they want to just grab an asset in terms of uh, just someone someone that, that can actually play a little bit for them, obviously Schroeder's contract is a negative overall. But considering the salary cap purgatory that Oklahoma City is already going to be in, that matters a little bit less, I will say, if they're willing to pony up the money. So all those, all, all that to say, this guy's this is a deal that actually makes some sense for both sides. I've not heard this uh, reported anywhere else, and I've not heard the specifics, uh, you know, being about anywhere else. So my guard is up a little bit on, on whether this actually ends up transpiring. But one of those things that does make sense enough to actually discuss. And uh, that was kind of that's probably where we'll leave it for now. I do think obviously we'll talk about this more more if it actually comes to pass, and we'll have a couple of people weigh in on what on the on the overarching uh, you know ramifications here. But. For me, you know, my 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 Cliff's Notes version would be that I would do this trade if I was the Hawks and this was offered to me, even without another asset. I do think I would call if I was Travis Schlenk and call Sam Presti and say I want an another pick, you know, first round pick or Terrence Ferguson or maybe two second round picks, something else. You certainly want to negotiate a little bit, but at the end of the day, if this is a take it a take it or leave it offer. I would I would do a trade of Dennis Schroeder, Mike Muscala for Carmelo Anthony, buy out Carmelo Anthony, and enjoy the flexibility moving forward. Um, with that said, we have plenty more to get to on the podcast, but uh, want to take a moment to thank you for already subscribing to the podcast if you've already you done that. And if you have not done that, please take a moment and go ahead and do that on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. We, are, we should be everywhere. If we're not, please let us know and we'll get that uh, added to that platform. We're also on Spotify and every single episode of the podcast is hosted on peachtreehoops.com. So, I would encourage you guys check check out that's that's where my all my Hawks writing is as well. Uh, definitely bookmark that and check it out on, on a daily basis. But uh, just more more than anything, thank you for listening to the podcast. Thank you for subscribing to the podcast. After this break, we'll be back again to talk about more about uh, you know Dennis Schroeder and other other things that are going on in Hawksland. Okay, we're back to talk about uh, a little bit more about Dennis Schroeder. There was actually some reporting actually came out of a piece from Sham Sarania uh, on Trey Young this week that uh, sort of that I was actually going to leave the podcast with before the uh, rumors broke when, when it comes to the Thunder. But the uh, the Sharania wrote um, that basically uh, there has been this is, this is this is a quote from him about Dennis Schroeder quote There has been pressure for the Hawks management to ensure value arrives in a Schroeder trade, and the franchise simply won't trade 
below his value, end quote. That may that sort of raised my eyebrows. I don't, I don't I'm not sure what that actually means, and other than the fact that I think you know Dennis Schroeder's trade value is up for debate, I suppose, but one of those things where I, I worried me a little bit that there might be some external pressures on the front office. So that definitely raised my eyes. I do think uh, it's probably encouraging that they would uh, you know within a couple of days have a rumor leak out that comes to uh, uh, pass to something, something a little bit lower on that uh, on that value scale because I think if you're trying to aim too high with Dennis Schroeder right now, you're going to be disappointed and there is some urgency to trade him given the setup of the roster. So I think that's pretty much uh, interesting there. Also, Sharania notes that uh, Dwayne Debman, uh, quote, has also emerged as a veteran player that, that, that could attract interesting suitors. End quote. I think Debman, from the moment that he opted, the moment he opted into his contract for seven point two million dollars for next season, uh, my eyebrow was raised. A lot of people's eyebrow, eyebrows were raised, and the fact that he could be traded. I do think Debman is someone who should be on the market. I like Debman a lot. I think he's certainly worth that salary. So there's no real impetus to trade him at this moment. But before the deadline in February, I think there would be every reason to consider it. He's a little bit on the older side. I can't imagine the Hawks signing him up for a, a real long-term lucrative contract. So if you can get some value there, potentially a, a nice asset in return from him, that might be a good idea. And, and that, could, that could happen now. I mean, there are teams that could certainly use Dwayne Debman's services at this moment uh, that might want him for a full season than a half season, so that's something to monitor as well. Um, elsewhere on the uh, on the uh, front of of trade stuff. Um, Travis Schlenk talked to Michael Cunningham, the AJC, when it comes to the Jeremy Lin trade and gave a nice, a very, a nice interesting quote. And he says, uh, and I quote, we had the opportunity to add a veteran point guard to the locker room. We said all along that it takes a high character, good guy to help the team grow. Jeremy fits that bill. We had two point guards on the roster. We needed a third, end quote. So that's a little bit of uh, posturing there from Schlenk. I don't think that they're, they were trading uh, and taking on a $13.8 million salary for Jeremy Lin as a third point guard. That seems pretty obvious to everyone involved. Uh, although, the, you know, the Hawks are saying all the right things there, but I will say that's uh, you know kind of no matter what the Hawks say here I think uh, Schroeder's uh Schroeder's days are numbered. That's something that uh, that, M- that MC wrote on and the AJC as well. That's something that I definitely agree with. I just can't. Um, even if the Oklahoma City deal falls through, I will be very surprised if he's still on the roster when it comes to training camp. Even if there's some urgency level that is required to trade him. Uh, dating back to that Jeremy Lin trade a little bit, I don't want to uh, sort of overanalyze that a lot, but uh, the people that uh, reviewed it were pretty much confused by it. All of the trade grades, I haven't found really one person that could justify that trade from a basketball standpoint for me. It's basically all centered, all the justifications that I've heard are basically centered on um, you know marketing stuff and that kind of stuff like that, which is fine if that's a consideration. I, I'm sure the Hawks are already selling Jeremy Lin jerseys, and I've saw I've seen that those tweets. I'm sure that's not a coincidence. He's a guy who he will they will certainly uh, be nice to market. And uh, listen, Jeremy Lin can play. So it's not like it's a situation where they're getting worse on the floor, but uh, you know everyone's kind of confused still. Eric Pickus mentioned that this week, and it's one of those things where you have to keep your guard up as to what actually transpired there. But it's one of those things where you just follow that away as something that the Hawks did that confused everyone uh, around the league. I haven't found anyone again that can sort of justify it on the court, but. Lynn does help them, and if they, uh, for instance, if they pull off the Schroeder trade when it comes to Carmelo Anthony, um, they will certainly need a second point guard, and that's not going to be Jeremy Lynn. and he actually could start. It wouldn't it would not blow me away if he started up a night. Um, if they want to bring Trey Young along slowly, I would not necessarily recommend that. I would be starting Trey Young from day one. That's just something that I would do. We'll talk more about that as training camp nears, but uh, a guy who could cer- certainly act as a starting point guard in the NBA, it would not embarrass anyone, because Jeremy Lynn can certainly play. He's probably one of the top 30, 35 point guards in the league, so a very, very nice player to have around. Uh, elsewhere, less important stuff to round out the podcast today. Uh, three games of the Hawks preseason schedule have emerged. Chris Chris Moore of the AJC compiled those together. The Hawks will be playing at Oklahoma City in Tulsa. Um, that, I, sorry, I, I guess not at, at Oklahoma City. They're playing against the Thunder in Tulsa on October 7th. They're playing a home game 
on October 10th against the San Antonio Spurs and October 12th on the road against the Miami Heat. Um, the headliner there from Villamore is that um, the Hawks will be playing both of their home games at McCamish Pavilion. Uh, one of them is not available. That's the Georgia Tech home arena, if those of you are unfamiliar with that. Um, that's where the Hawks played the preseason games last year. Looks like they're going to be doing that again this year. That's something to uh, keep in mind when it comes to the renovation being completed. It'll be interesting to see what they have, what have with the schedule moving forward because last year you may remember that the Hawks opened with five straight road games in, in the regular season and uh, that was not great for anybody. The Hawks didn't love that, I will say. I'm not sure how, how, how much of that was requested by the team to give them a little bit more lead time about the arena renovations, but at the same time, they did not love that setup. Coming home after, I think they were, they were either 1-4 and four or 0-5, oh whatever, whatever they were at the beginning of the season, but to put them behind the eight ball a little bit, I think that matters less, obviously, on a, re- on a rebuilding team, but in the same breath, and no, no one, no one really enjoyed that. So I would be very interested to see what the schedule looks like when it comes out. But it looks like uh, the, the two preseason games they'll be playing in Atlanta will be over at Georgia Tech. And if that's that's not really a surprise to me, but it's certainly worth filing away. Um, elsewhere. Uh, a couple of summer league, probably our last summer league notes to file away here. John Collins got rave reviews from pretty much everyone after the fact in summer league. Um, actually, ESPN did a five-on-five panel. And four of their five experts noted Collins was the, quote, best veteran, end quote, in Las Vegas. Uh, Josh Hart was the other one that did that. It was not John Collins out of the, out of the five, but um, he certainly made an impression in two games. He was not named to one of the uh, all-summer league teams because he only played two games, but at the same time, I am certainly uh, of the mind that that's absolutely true. I wrote, I wrote a little bit about, about that on Dime Magazine um, last week and just said, you know, John Collins was, uh, if not the best veteran in Las Vegas, he was certainly on a short list, and that's backed up by the SPN observations there. Talked about that a little bit with Jeff on the podcast. Uh, the last podcast that we did was with Jeff Siegel. I definitely would encourage you guys to go back and listen to that one. It's a little bit long, but we had a lot of different topics, and Jeff's very, very smart, so check that one out as well. Uh, also, Trey Young was referenced on a winners and losers list of Summer League, and he was no- noted in the winners column by SI. Also, uh, he actually did an interview and uh, said again that he wants to be more like Steve Nash and not Steph Curry. And that was an interview that I, went, that I referenced earlier with Sham Sarania. That's something that I, I wrote about a little bit, and I think that makes a little bit of sense. Uh, you know, the Curry thing was always overblown for me. The Nash thing is also now overblown, I think. It'd be probably better if he could just play his game, but I do think he's closer to Nash because of his passing, and it's one of those things where he's going to have to be a little bit smarter with his shot selection. That's something Nash was always great at, and that's how he was able to be so efficient is that his shot selection was perfect almost, um, you know, although. Although Nash was probably an underrated shooter. He was an awesome shooter, uh, like like the way that Trey Young possibly could be. So that's a pretty good comp and it's something to file away for the future. He seems to think that as well, although you, you, you really didn't see Steve Nash taking a lot of 30-foot threes. So it's definitely an, an evolutionary version of Steve Nash, but something that he definitely is leaning into. Um, he averaged 17 points and 7 assists per game in those four games in Las Vegas, and that was able to net him a second-team All-NBA Summer League nod. The guys who were ahead of him, Wendell Carter, Josh Hart, Kevin Knox, Colin Sexton, and Christian Wood on the first team. And the second team was DeAndre Ayton, Wade Baldwin, Jaron Jackson, Svee Mikhailuk, and Trey Young. So, uh, you know, Sexton being ahead of him is interesting, to be sure. They made, they made a deep run in the uh, Summer League tournament over there in Cleveland, but obviously he'll be compared to Colin Sexton and Che Gillis-Alexander for a long time, considering those guys were the point guards in the same class. Uh, obviously, the Luka Doncic comparisons will never die based on the trade, but those are the guys he'll be uh, most compared to, and interesting, definitely interesting to see uh, Colin Sexton on that first team in comparison to that. But I thought, you know, Young played very well in Las Vegas, and obviously uh, John Collins was fantastic too. So probably going to wrap it up for Summer League, but that's uh, one of those things where we're still, you know, actually it did not even end until Tuesday night was the final. It felt like that was an absolute eternity before Summer League came to a final close on Tuesday. But it's now officially over, and we can look ahead to the rest of the offseason. 
Uh, last thing, I want to quickly plug something that I actually wrote about a little bit on Wednesday, and that is uh, the 538 um, folks uh, led by Nate Silver came out with their annual Carmelo projections. That has nothing to do with Carmelo Anthony. It's just the way that they named their uh, projection system. Essentially, they um, you know grab every player, use all of their stats, and uh, formulate a model that talks about um, you know how how much they're worth in terms of value, in terms of money, in a in a vacuum, and just kind of what they're good at, what they're bad at, all that fun stuff. It's a very interesting model. I linked to it in a post that I wrote about on PeacheGroups.com, but basically attacked every single player on the Hawks, um, at least for the upcoming season, versus their contract that's actually uh, in existence. I will say uh, it is a surprising but definitely encouraging uh, report on John Collins. The 538 model absolutely loves John Collins, and it's something that, you know, if you're a Hawks fan, you get very excited about that, basically treating him as a star-level player that's worth like that's worth like 30 to $40 million a season um, moving forward here, uh, which is very, very encouraging. Obviously, also Trey Young received some pretty high marks from uh, the 538 model. Kent Bazemore, um, you know, kind of what he is, it's one of those things where I think he's uh, somewhere in the $12, $13 million range, which is basically what I think he is. Same, thing, same with Dennis Schroeder in the $8 to $9 million range. Similar players. Uh, so some pretty accurate stuff. I think there's some uh, some definitely some, some discrepancies there. Tyler Dorsey is not treated well by that model, to be to be sure. Uh, Kevin Herter and Amari Spellman, pretty solid across the board. So something to look at there and definitely something I, I would encourage. Uh, you know, it, There's plenty of time to read through that. In the next two months, it won't, probably won't be too many sweeping changes, but something I wrote about that I wanted to plug. And uh, I would normally talk about that probably on the podcast but I'll let my writing do, do most of the work on that one at this point in time. And if you have questions on that, I will, I'll be certainly happy to answer them. Really, we'll probably do a couple of mailbags during the summer. So if you ever have a question that you want asked on the podcast, or I guess I, I guess I should say answer on the podcast, uh, you can fire it at me on Twitter at BT Roland or at the show at Locked on Hawks on Twitter. Uh, I definitely will man those two accounts and check them. We also have a Gmail account, LockedOnHawks at gmail.com. If you want to ask a longer form question, uh, that's certainly available to do that. And if, if I don't answer on the podcast, I will try my best to write back everybody, uh, both on Twitter and on email, to at least answer it in some form. If it's not on the podcast, I apologize. But, you know, hopefully we'll have a bunch of questions and we can do a lot of that content. Uh, we are we're officially in the dog days here. Of course, the Schroeder stuff is going to make things very interesting until it happens, if it actually does happen. But aside from that, not a whole lot of movement when it comes to the Hawks. So, with, you know, we have about, about two months of ground to cover here between now and the start of training camp. So any uh, any fresh any fresh content is definitely appreciated this time of year for someone who covers the league. But hopefully you guys enjoyed this podcast. And uh, if there's uh, more news on the Schroeder front, I'll come back with another podcast whenever that actually hits, if we get a, if we get a real trade. If not, we'll probably wait till Monday to do, a, do another podcast because uh, we'll be hitting the weekend here as we record this late on Wednesday into Thursday. So, you know, keep an eye out for, for Dennis Schroeder's. I promise I will sweep back in if, uh, if something does happen. And if not, we will see you guys on Monday.